0: in a time that is volatile. Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. And I've shared with you that my word for 2021 is joy. So it's so fitting to introduce you to my guest today. His name is Jeff Beato, and he is the Co-founder and CEO of Enjoy Global. Enjoy Global is a culture shaping company that is truly dedicated to transforming workplace culture. Can't wait to talk to Jeff about that. They help with employee engagement. They help with solutions to develop workforce to strengthen your culture in teamwork, shared purpose, commitment to performance and just overall enhancement is their bottom line. I'm excited to talk to Jeff today. Our worlds collided in 2020 through a colleague and I recently ran a 30 day heart-centered leadership challenge on the platform. Lots of goodness to share. So Jeff, happy new year my friend and welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Deb, thanks so much. Happy New Year to you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, you are a fellow podcaster, so I know how much fun it is to be on the other side of the mic on the receiving end. So I hope I can deliver to you what you extended to me on your podcast. So I'm going to jump right in with the leadership questions if you're ready. I'm ready. I would love for you to share with the listeners how you fostered your vision and your passion and really packaged your leadership as a whole to bring Enjoy Global to the world. Give us a little glimpse and a little storytelling of how this all unfolded.
1: Beautiful. Um, Well, I'll go a little bit further back probably than uh, you'd expect. But when I was... um just a kid, when I was in, in eighth grade, uh, I had what they clinically diagnosed as, um, as a bad attitude. I was, uh, uh, you know, butting, in, butting heads with my parents, especially my dad. I'm from a very small town in Wisconsin. And to his credit, instead of writing me off, uh, writing it off to those, you know, kind of preteen years, he gave me um, Earl Nightingale's Strangest Secret in the World tape, which tape cassette back then. And uh, asked me to listen to it, which I reluctantly did. And then I listened, and then I listened, and then I really listened. And that put me on a path of. It was the first time I had ever heard anyone speak of mindset and the power that we all have to to create um, by being uh, more conscious of our thoughts and uh, how to set goals and what a a meaningful life and success actually meant. And so. I I just became enthralled. I I dove into everything I could in the self-help arena. I was the most positive kid in my hometown by a lot. Uh, There were only a few, there there weren't very many of us. It was a very small town, but but it was a beautiful start. And it really was one of those seminal moments that set me on a journey that I hoped at some point during my life, I would be able to um, work in a way and have a career in a way that would help other people um, be exposed to, develop the muscles, um, do the work that that I was finding such joy in, and that was opening such so much life to me. And it was a very windy road. Uh, it went through um, the video game world, uh, which I wouldn't have ever guessed would have had something to do with um, you know what I do now, except for the fact that we use gamification as a big way of kind of tricking our brain to enjoy growth and the challenges that come with forming new habits. Uh, so that was a real key component to my journey as well. And then I got my master's in spiritual psychology when I was kind of at a point, um, I was just 30 or something like that, and really wanting to make a decision into choose into something that I really wanted to do, like a passion-led, heart-centered career. And I didn't know how to do that. And then I found this program and it was a beautiful two-year journey of using myself as a guinea pig to see what areas of my life were working, what beliefs I held, uh, which areas of my life weren't working, and, and what beliefs I held there, and then learning about uh, you know deconstructing and getting in there and and figuring out how to reconstruct beliefs and and start plans to nurturingly uh, grow in a way that I wanted to. And over the last you know now over over a decade, it's been focused on um, you know in corporate America on developing culture, and I have a an amazing co-founder and partner. Uh, and our team, it, again, we've just gratefully and thankfully found a very powerful and amazing small group of people, but the the creativity and the output and the just the inspiration I derive from them is it just doesn't feel like work. So all those kind of quotes have become real for me of you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and um, being Following your heart, like, but it took a it took a while. It wasn't something that, uh, you know, at eight I knew I wanted to be a doctor, and that was it. It took me a lot of trial and error, and and I'm just happy to, very very grateful that over the last decade, um, it's refined into this, and uh, I've never been I've never been more on purpose, and never been more joyful about about what I'm up, what we're doing now.
0: Well, I can certainly. Attest to what a fun experience it was. And I do remember our first phone call. And I don't even know if I've ever shared with you, I was so nervous to call and felt so out of my comfort zone. And I literally just said a little prayer and thought, here we grow. Like we Mm. cannot grow unless we go to those scary little places, just even moving our foot a little bit, towed out from that comfort zone. And it was such an engaging conversation. And I, I think the word joy has so much merit for you. I see it in how you speak about life and yourself and your company. And if we just could allow joy to be part of the our mission of what we see to be what's most important especially now given the world to allow that joy to just be in our journey and not allow it to be futuristic or you know get caught up in our goals but just embracing what we have now and I think that pause button otherwise known as the COVID-19 pandemic Hmm. I think a lot of good and a lot of merit has come out of that And I think the platform that you've allowed, the culture you've created, is really going to open a lot of doors for other companies who may think, well, maybe we're not big enough to have it. And I can say as a solopreneur on my own, what a benefit it was to me. And I learned something in the process that we truly grow when we allow ourselves to get out of that comfort zone so i love the story i i love the decade of i'm sure you had many fall forwards that you could share and it's gonna lead it's gonna lead me into my next question go figure so what everyone gets asked this on my podcast what imperfections have you brought to your heart-centered leadership
1: yeah i love this question um and so bef- just before I answer, I just want to also compliment you on, I love that. I, I don't know that you had shared that you were nervous when you called for the first time. And I love the phrase, here we grow. I, that's, I, that's just beautiful. Um, but you, you in the time that I've known you, have this, the energy, um, and it's it's what we're all looking for. It's that kind of willingness, right, to continue to grow, even though you're an expert and you've been doing um, the work you've been doing for for decades, there's still this, I have a five-year-old now, and I watch with amazement how quickly he grows and how excited he is to learn. And that quality often gets kind of, um, I don't know, burnt out or extinguished or something over time, right? And you haven't lost that. You really represent this eagerness to grow and learn, despite being this complete expert um, in your field. And I just love that. I think that's, again, something that we're all trying to get back in touch with. Or just fanning that fanning that flame. So anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I just I love that uh, one that you admitted that that's how you felt, but two that that's like that's it. Like when we're feeling that, that's probably a sign that we should do it. So beautiful. Um,
0: Absolutely. I you know what? There's so much merit in just you know people may refer to it as wearing our heart on our sleeve. I like to call it elements or qualities of heart-centered leadership humility transparency authenticity Mm. and at the end of the day I know that you wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and get ready just like I do Mm. so not getting you know seeing seeing each other as whole people and not CEOs or you know people with stature? How about just someone else who shares the arena of heart-centered leadership with, with joy and, and action to be?
1: Yeah, beautifully said. That, that reminder that we're all, we're all afraid. Like fear, no matter who we admire, everyone's going through challenges. Everyone has their, their self-doubts and all those things. It's just really a matter of um, doing it anyway. And and going for it and acknowledging the fact that that's how I'm feeling. And anyway, we're we're all more resilient. Hopefully, in 2020, if if it taught us anything, that we are more resilient than we thought, and that we have more resource more resourcefulness than we thought. I think there were just thousands and thousands of examples of that uh, across the world, um, and I hope that that stays right. That that just sticks with us. So. Um, to your question, the imperfections I, I brought, I think it, I love this question because I really feel like I have a lot of imperfections. So I, I feel like this is something I can easily talk about for a very long time. Um, but, but one or two of the bigger ones, m- one of the ones that I've watched um, kind of more closely over the last couple of years is when I first got into this um, and then I looked back and this was really a, a, a theme for me is I was not confident enough to be the face of anything, to be the voice, or to have it be my thing. And what I mean by that is um, I needed it to be someone else's idea, and then I could be the second, or I could be the third. But if it was my idea and it failed, um, which, again, I didn't realize I wasn't as conscious of this uh, kind of playing out, but I was really identified with the idea. And, and so a failure of an idea was a failure of me personally. And so I shied away from that. Uh, I think it goes back. I think there's a lot of examples. And when I was younger of wanting to do something, trying to do something, and if, if it didn't, I was good at a lot of things and that's where I got praise and, and encouragement. And I really quickly, and I was sensitive as a kid. And so I really quickly distinguished, I'm good at this, stay in this, in this world, um, try something, but if it doesn't work quickly, get out of it. And where I ended up playing it safe was, wanting someone else to stand in front um and so this this being so much in enjoy being so much of my heart and so much of my desire w- has been the first place that i've really had to and wanted to uh, be in front and and my my um co-founder and business partner she's amazing she was always in front her entire career she was a ceo like from age 10, at, you know, she had started, a bit, but she was, a, she had a very leader. She's always had a very leader um, quality. And I was drawn to that. And it was also safe for me. Uh, and over the time, she's been really wonderful. And, and uh, the way that our company has grown, grown it's allowed for me to, 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 be a, you know, to be that first. So I think that's my biggest imperfection was not being confident enough or comfortable enough to take the risk to put my idea out there and let people disagree with it or not like it maybe at the, and, and deal with that and be okay with the fact that not everyone's going to agree with me. Not everyone's going to think my idea is wonderful and still be comfortable and, and have the, 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 you know, the confidence, confidence and just the desire to move forward, regardless of what anyone else was
0: saying. I, I commend you for the vulnerability and, and I want to add one element not everyone's going to like you or your idea, and that's yeah. okay because I think that's another element of how we grow is really embracing other people's opinions but not not allowing them to succumb how we feel about self or interrupt or decrease our own self-awareness that we bring to leadership. So powerful.
1: So, so true. I I that's I also credit that same lesson in in helping me find my wife, right? Like that was um, that same lesson. I was at a point where I I was aware that I wanted everyone to like me. And and that happened as well, kind of in the dating world. And it wasn't until I realized it was okay that some didn't like me because I didn't, like I was looking for one partner, like I was really looking for. And so with that, I wanted to be as specific and honest and open as possible. And hopefully not everyone would like me. Like it was the first time I really realized like, everyone liking me wasn't, that wasn't going to help. I wanted to find someone who really fit. And it was, but that was a very big, like pivotal moment for me to change my, I remember, you know, that was a a longer story, but basically just changing my intention around who I wanted to attract and who I wanted to have and putting that me out there. Um, And within, I think within like six weeks of that, I was, um, I had met my wife and, and, we, and that was just a, another testament to being okay with uh, not having everyone like me.
0: What an interesting concept, right? Yeah. Now, I know I have seen you do a lot of your quick tips, uh, primarily on the Twitter platform. And when I was preparing for our podcast interview, my mind kept going, where is this coming from? So my third question is you have so many valuable tips and strategies and suggestions for positive culture to help out with different scenarios that can help engage employees, help with performance, all the things that would fall, I'm going to say under an HR umbrella did you have an experience that led you to these quick tips? Did you have a boss that perhaps was not heart-centered? Or what led you to really step into your greatness and share your expertise on this particular platform within Enjoy Global?
1: You know, it's, it's not so much about work um, as it is about... Um, You know, you're the heart centered guru, but being heart centered for me and having a life that I was genuinely excited about, you know, that was the bigger picture. And I realized that the things that help there, when I would read self help books or go to seminars or workshops, or as I mentioned, I did my master's in spiritual psychology, like all of those programs were designed to, uh, you know, to make us feel more alive, to get more in touch with who we really are that if that's the work then when that's applied anywhere and, and we happen to apply it in corporate America and now you know the platform is designed for creators to, to support the great work that a lot of uh, authors and speakers and coaches are are doing but but when it's applied anywhere people get better right so in corporate America if we're subtly what we're actually doing is our platform is designed to help people be their best selves doing the things that everyone since the beginning of time has said are are the it's the way these are the these are the the muscles these are the habits these are the these are the mindsets and the skills like that's not new there have been amazing you know thought leaders for thousands of years who have pointed at what we need to do to live a wonderful joyful suc- truly successful life and so that information's out there. And I think for me, the, the journey's always been um, personal, right? I wanted to enjoy work. I, I want to enjoy my relationships. I want to enjoy my life, my health, and all those things as well. And so does everyone else. And so for companies, it just happens to have a very strong application for everything. You know, it's And it's always been weird to me more when I looked at business. I've always been an entrepreneur, so I didn't have a boss that I didn't like or any of those things. But what I realized was that we spend a ton of time at work. We all do Um, I had read the statistics, you know, just in general that most people didn't like their jobs. But what my moral crisis was that I hit a place and would wake up in the middle of the night like I'm not on purpose. When I was in my 20s, um, I had what looked like a great job. Uh, You know, I worked with friends and it was a wonderful industry, but I wasn't on purpose. So every six months I would wake up with a, hey, if you die, if you die tomorrow, this this isn't why you came. This isn't, this isn't it. And so what do you, you know, what do you do? What are you going to do about that? And that's, I think in maybe an extreme example, but for most of us, if if we're not happy, we're not going to give our best selves. If we're not joyful, if we don't feel on purpose, if we don't feel connected to the mission, the values, the goals of of the organization we're working for, they're not going to get our best selves. The company wants our best selves because that's where we're most creative, where we, you know, go above and beyond where we deliver the best customer service and where we, you know, are the most innovative, all of the things that a company would like, no matter what the size, um, we all want these things, how to do that is to help a person be their best selves. And those there's kind of universally a handful of things for us that work for everybody, you know, a hand uh, of exercises and that are researched, you know, these are not Jeff or enjoy, um, created these are neuroscientists and and again thousands of years of of just the wisest people on the planet speaking to um the way to cultivate our mind to create in, in a beneficial way
0: well i i love that and i and i love how you coined the phrase moral crisis it's kind of like taking my word joy and it's like a self audit question mm. Am I acting in joy? Does this bring me joy? And moral crisis, it's its certainly going to redirect you to where you want to go, but more importantly, where you don't want to go. So very inspiring, I love that. We are just coming off of a very rocky year of 2020. Our city in London, Ontario, Canada is back in lockdown. It's, it's been a hard time for a lot of people. My last question for leadership, Jeff, is when you look back at 2020, who's a leader who really stood out in your eyes and why?
1: Hmm. Hmm. You know, so, um, personally this, and I find more of these examples become very personal to me. So, um, there are a couple women who started a, a Waldorf um, inspired public school that our son goes, was, was going to go to this year. It's a charter school in Los Angeles, which is the second largest school district in the country. And nobody likes charter schools like the teachers. And so the process of them getting, and my wife's on the board. Um, and so it's, it's a very, you know, personal thing. And, and, but this group of mostly women, um, with people picketing outside of meetings and just being mean and, and harassing them over their their sole intention to provide free a, a free version of an education that normally costs 20,000 plus a year and is reserved to the elite financially to, to make that available for everyone. Like that's their sole intention. Um, it just was, it, it hurt my heart. And yet, so when the lockdown came, so they finally get approved, and then, um, then COVID hits, right? And they're just getting launched. They just got approved, all this very years of preparation. And now they can't open their school. Uh, for, it's gonna be the first year in September and they can't open. And to watch the resiliency, the innovation, the creativity, the dedication that they and their teachers, and, and then ultimately the parents as well. But that group of, uh, again, mainly women, um, uh, just blew me away. Because their commitment and dedication in the face of everything I've seen over the last several years, and then to get thrown again this gigantic curveball that, even with all the prep with all the support, would have been enormously hard. But with so much adversity, um, they were amazing, and and they continued to create an experience for my son uh, that I was blown away with. Just I just I I, I have no idea how they did it, um, but they created a, a kindergarten class for him that has been nothing short of extraordinary. And, uh, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to them for that.
0: Well, that's interesting. Uh, I will share with you my, my leader of 2020 that I really aspire to is Jacinda Ardern, the prime minister of New Zealand. Mm. I, I love her heart centered leadership. I'm, I'm going to get her on my podcast. It's a goal for 2021. So let's put it out there right now. Yes. And one of her favorite quotes from last year is she said, you can't ask other people to believe you and vote for you if you don't back yourself. Hmm. So one of the things that I love, which is really in alignment with your platform at enjoy global leadership, isn't about the initials after your name it's not about stature, it's not about your title. It's about leading people and have people follow you, not manage them, but follow you and lead with the virtues of heart-centered leadership, which starts with self-awareness. And how you lead is how your culture grows, defines, sustains itself. And I'm always intrigued that Sometimes people don't look with open eyes that a culture is truly formed by the leadership at the helm and their behavior.
1: It, it's so interesting that that we talk with a lot of uh, executives and managers and leaders, and and it's we forget we forget how powerful um, the example we set is. Uh, it, we just we forget, and so when people are doing challenges and. And you know the focus is on uh, appreciating small things that team members have done, or acknowledging every without fail every single time we're doing a challenge. Several executives will come to us and they'll say, "I I cannot believe how many people have come up to me and thanked me for just noticing some of the work that they're doing, or or you know high fiving them or congratulating them virtually on the platform." And and that just and they're reminded of the the power. That they hold, that we all hold, certainly in if our position gives us that, but that we we all are being watched. We're we're all being watched, and the example that we set is powerful. And so I, I think this is important for leaders. It's important for the C-suite, but it's also important for all of us to realize that that we are showing what we we are how we're being is what we actually stand for, right? And that's and so we can all we can all be a great example of what, what's most important to us. And if there's one thing that I hope that COVID did, the silver lining in this last year is, has showed us what's most important and reminded us of what's most important to us. And when we live from that, those places, ultimately it's our values. What is it that we value? And if we live from that on a daily basis, the choices we make, if we run them through a filter of, does this fit with my values? Is this the person I want to be? If we do that, no matter where we are in an organization, where we are in life, we end up being a very powerful um, like way shower just uh, of, of what's possible. And that this is, this, is, this is the way we transform not only organizations, but the world. We all choose values that are important to us and then live from those. And so that's what, that's what our clients, when they're focused, when they get the impact that they have as leaders, and then they define what that means, what being a leader means is acting with a certain set of values that, that are defined by a certain set of kinds of behaviors or ways of being, then they really start to consistently model a certain behavior. They show up that way. And when we start to see that, we all start to, we, we start to move in that direction, or it's uncomfortable and we and we self-select out. But either way, over time, it starts to become a very unifying and powerful force. And as our, as consumers, we are looking for that. More and more, we want companies that we believe in. Not just the products that they have, but that we believe what they stand for, that they represent, um, and and um, are in lockstep with things that we value. So it's it's important on every level of business, and it's I but I think it, it's bigger than that as as well. If we're going to lead, let's be good humans. Um, let's let's stand for things that that make us proud of um, of just being a good person, and, and as well as a good executive, a good leader in our organization.
0: I don't even know how to respond to that. So I'm just going to mic drop that because that was beautiful. Mm. <laughs> Fellow podcaster, right? I'm sitting here smiling year mm. to year, going, that is framed so beautifully. I'm, I'm not even going to add to it because I'm just going to put a period and go, well mm. done. Mm. I'm going to switch to my fab four. We're going to learn four fun things about Jeff first question. What's one thing about Jeff that you would say people don't know about you?
1: Um, I, most people don't know that I did uh, stand-up comedy for um, a little bit. Not not well, uh, but it was my greatest fear. And uh, so uh, one of my best friends at the time found, she. this is the only way I would have actually gotten into the course, is um, she found a great teacher in LA and Signed us both up for it. And then uh, life took her in a different direction. So I ended up um, doing it, uh, uh, unfortunately, without her. But I did, I studied with this amazing, um, you know, heart centered comedian. And for, the, for that year, I did like, I think, three 12 week courses. And the scariest at the end of those, we performed publicly at, a, at one of the famous places in LA. And those were the scariest like three, five, and seven minutes of my life. Uh, as my set got a little bit longer um, each time. But that's that's something that I don't often share.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I do love that. And now that makes sense for one of your coworkers and why you two get on so well. Mm. I'm getting clarity here. I love it. Mm. All right, second question. Without thinking, share with us one of your favorite memories from your life.
1: Hmm, Um. Studying in Spain, I, I had the opportunity to uh, study uh, for a semester in Sevilla, which is in the south um, of Spain. And it was uh, the the moment that's coming to mind is I had a, a teacher, an American teacher who was um, engaged to a the only American bullfighter uh, that had that had ever like earned his I forget what they call it in in Spain. It was a very big deal. Um, and she, in our very first class, said this. She said, uh, part of your homework is going to be to get lost in the city, to not pay attention to where you're going, just wander, just look around, just smell the smells and, and listen to the sounds and, and just get lost. She said, it's not about the book work. It's not about the homework. You know, I'm not gonna be giving you normal homework. I had never heard a teacher say this, like books and, and homework was like a huge deal. And here someone was saying, your homework is life. Your homework is exploring. Your homework is being present in, in where you are and, what, and what's going on right now. And that opened the door and the permission. And Spain, that, those four or five months in Spain changed, gave me a, a, a totally different perspective that has helped balance who I was before that in so many ways that I often reflect on that. But there's something super special about the South of, of Spain. And um, there's a lot of beautiful memories, but that's the that's the one that came to mind right away.
0: That's beautiful. I just you just took me there. I want to go there. Mm. If you had to sit down with the 14 year old Jeff, what advice would you give him?
1: Oh, you know, um, I've done a lot of work with my younger self, and um, I would have. I would tell him that he's loved. Like I, I, that for who he is, not for what he does, that he is loved and he is lovable and that he is love period. Like in all the directions that he, he creates love. And that's his core that he is loved uh, not because of what he does, but just because, and, um, and to feel that, to really practice feeling that because for a long time I searched for it and, and tried to earn it and and win it and um, and uh, there's a phrase that goes something you can never get enough of what you don't really need and um, and that's how I felt I was running on this hamster wheel of trying to earn uh, my dad's love or my parents' love and in certain ways um, but in certain ways they were giving it but I was not receiving it unless it came through a certain door that had a very uh, achievement based you know, kind of, um, definition to it. So that's what I would say is like, this is what, this is the real key. Uh, and if you do this, you're going to really enjoy the journey a lot more.
0: That's beautiful. And I'm not a proponent for new year's resolutions. I am proponent for words, mantras. And I shared that my word is joy. Do you have a word or a mantra for 2021? And if so, share it with us.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. So it's, um, like, I I don't have one word. I'm, I'm, I'm Deb. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm someone that, uh, like I'm a big believer that, you know, why use 10 words when you can say the exact same thing in a hundred. Um, so my, my what I'm feeling for this for 2021 is really that it's going to be a year for me of meditation and stillness. Um, I have brought meditation into my life in a real strong way over the last four months. And it has been profound. Um, And I'm realizing that the quieter I get and the more still I can become, the more that life flows for me. And uh, as weird as this sounds, 2020 was an exceptional year for me on every level. Um, and I feel weird saying that, but it was phenomenal. And I grew in, in, in so many ways and life worked in a, just a beautiful way for me. And I credit a lot of that to getting quieter and I'm excited to move more deeply into that and allow life allow. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah. So I think stillness, boy, man, that was too many words, but, um, stillness and, and allowing I don't know. That's, I need a better word, but allowing, I want to allow life to come through me this year.
0: You're, you're allowing the space. Yeah. As a yoga teacher, you're getting a virtual high five. Mm. In my challenge that I ran, that was one of the biggest elements that the participants enjoyed was I modeled the strong morning routine and Mm. I often say on this podcast, a lot of people will say to me, but that's such common sense. Common sense does not mean that it's your common practice. Mm -hmm. And I have meditated for years. And I will tell you that a mind that does not have to work in a chaotic environment and has pure clarity has limitless potential. That's beautiful and you're entering into alpha alpha waves solve a Mm. lot of problems (laughs) they solve all problems
1: yeah it's really beautiful you know I'm I have you ever heard of uh, a guy by the name of Neville Goddard like it from the 50s or something like he was one of those early pioneers in in thoughtly in in uh intentional thought and conscious conscious thought I had never heard of him. So have you ever heard that name?
0: I have not. No.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm listening to his audiobooks right, right now. Um, and one of them is the power of awareness and what, one of the things I just heard, so this is from the fifties, right? So this is a very long time ago. He was, he said that, um, in the universe, like, so solar bodies, there, there's a law of least action. So, and basically, it's like when a solar body is going to um, go around the the sun or it, find their orbit orbit, they take the path of least action. Like whatever's whatever's easiest is where they end up finding their their groove. And the way anyway, he much more eloquently explained it. But what I realized is I was really under the belief that harder is better. Harder is, you know, hard, hard, hard. And not that there's no work. That's I'm not I'm not saying that. But I I feel that there is this ability to, to make it easier to to allow life to be easier, and part of that is is really creating the space and being quieter, like and and just not believing that um, rewards only come from hard, you know. So that that that's the only way to get there. So I'm I'm really excited about uh, exploring that more.
0: Well, you head back to October 2020, and there's a phenomenal gentleman that I interviewed by the name of Dr. James Hart, mm. and he owns the Bio Cybernaut Institute. And if you want to take it to another level, and he can take you back to the 17 and 1800s on this, uh, one of the coolest interviews I did last year on Imperfect. Um, and again, you know, me, I'm a connector. I will introduce Mm, you. I would love that. He, he brings meditation, biofeedback to an exceptional level for really being conscious Mm. with your astuteness, your intellect. And the on-ramp to that is getting quiet, embracing the space, the silence, And just being so that the clarity can really focus in and and hone on where you want to go. And, you know, it's like anything else. The hardest part is starting. Yes, your mind will race, but it's like anything else you form the habit and you just keep practicing and showing up. And over time, you'll start to see the small wins and it's a really nice space to be in because when you when you have again that joy and that purpose in your heart, which is aligned with your mind, you just can't go wrong with that.
1: Yeah, that's it, right? That's the game, and most of us totally get it when it comes to our physical well being. But uh, that we need to go to the gym, we need to do, we need to have a a practice of taking care of ourselves physically. Um, but it's often you know something that we tend to neglect or not see the the direct comparison of of building muscles when it comes to our mental, emotional, and spiritual selves. And and I that's what I hear, and that's what I've experienced this year is actually taking the time to build some of those muscles a little bit and to get into the routine of um, you know practicing. And, uh, and and it's been it's been really really rewarding.
0: Well, I love that cliche, we often say it's, it's a win-win. Win-win is really just a frame of our mind and heart aligned because when our mind and our hearts are aligned, then it's a mutual benefit for ourselves, our whole selves and all of our human interactions. And when we feel good about things, it, it helps us commit to be actionable.
1: So true. I I believe that heart mind, you know, coherence, that's, that's it. Like I didn't realize I had done the head stuff I had done. I had done the mind, but connecting my heart was, uh, was the miss that I was, you know, that was the miss that I wasn't aware that I was, you know, I didn't know that I didn't know that. Um, and so that work of really getting in tune with my heart and then connecting it with an intention from my mind, um, that's now my, that's going to be the practice is really to, to build those muscles. And there's some great, you know, it's just, there's thankfully again, like having the pocket, being around real amazing people, there's a lot of great work out there. And thanks to technology, we have a lot of access to people that we wouldn't normally have access to. And so that's on my, on my personal growth, uh, you know, course for this, you know, for this year.
0: And then you land up crossing paths with me and I run a heart-centered leadership podcast on, on your platform. Go figure. Yeah.
1: It's You have been such a blessing. I just have been so excited to know you and um, I'm just so grateful. So this is such a good way to start the year is to to have this time in conversation with you.
0: Well, I'm glad our paths cross. You were worth making that scary phone call. Mm. And I just, I want you to know from my heart to yours, I, I value your time. I value your expertise. I always learn something when I talk to you and just know that I choose joy as my, my word this year. And I know there's going to be more conversations and more collaboration with you this year, and I want you to know wholeheartedly, you make me a better leader.
1: Hmm. Thank you so much. I I, I feel, and that's beautifully said. And I feel I'm so grateful again to be in your presence. Similarly, like how I feel coming off of our conversations and even listening to you on uh, w- interviewing other people, it's just your energy and who you are just makes me feel better. And I think at the, you know, at the fundamental level, yes, I'm learning. Yes. Yes. That was inspiring, but I feel better in your presence. And I think that's the best gift anyone could ever give, uh, anyone else or the world is just, you create a space where people feel better when they're around you.
0: Well, that's lovely. Don't make me cry (laughs) out. Don't make me cry on my podcast. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, I want to leave our listeners with a beautiful quote around joy, because it's my word and we've got a C-suite leader from Enjoy Global. So I thought it was appropriate. Live your life with so much joy that it overflows into the lives of others. This is Deb Crow. Thank you so much for joining me once again on Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast.